When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tom Bernard show with Doug Sprinthal. Elks Bernard Bernard Grass. Our mic's not on. Let's start again because Andy wasn't ready to go. Okay, here we go. Tom Bernard show with Doug Sprinthal. Elks Bernard Bernard Rasmussen. Andy Bernard Bernard. Melissa Kirk. Excellent. We'll be right back. Kick off hour two. Tom Bernard show. Doug Sprinthal. Walzer. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were had forgotten. I couldn't tell if you were on Mm. your game or not, sir. I apologize. I'll do a better intro. Here's Lame Brain for Walzer. (laughs) Which one? Uh, I'm excited (laughs) to announce in less than 50 minutes will be the first broadcast of the Car Selling Secrets podcast sponsored by Walzer Automotive. Tom's been gracious enough to co-host it. We're going to talk about all the ins and outs of buying and selling cars, how trade values work, leases. I think we'll do a section today on winter driving tips that might be appropriate. We encourage people to call in. The studio number is 952-800-1492. If you're listening after it's live and you've got questions or comments, you can always email me at Doug at Walzer.com and we'll uh, review them and read the worst ones on the following Thursday. See, that will be absolutely perfect. I am looking forward to this because, I look, I'll talk about it on the hour, but I'm going to learn a lot because I don't know anything about this stuff. So it's going to all be new to me, and uh, it'll be a great education. And our, looking fir- forward to- our first Walzer guest will be here today. Hopefully he'll make it. One of your buddies, J-Lo's coming in today. So I'm going to bring J-Lo's in, different, coming in different general managers from all the stores and talk about what's yep. new with their product line, too. So it should be fun. Good plan. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. 
It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Amazing. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Hour two, Tom Bernard Show. We'll be talking to... Uh, all kinds of interesting people. Well, I, all kinds of interesting people in Doug Sprinthal, too. But you know what I'm saying. Oh, thank you. We do have Alan on the phone. Uh, Alan Seppenwall with us. How you doing, Alan? Nice talking to you. Uh, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Well, Alan, I had a, this turned out uh, to be a very special day for me because uh, Alan Seppenwall, the Sopranos Sessions, January 10th, 1999, a mobster walked into a psychiatrist's office and changed TV history by shattering preconceptions about the kinds of stories the medium should tell. The Sopranos launched our current age of prestige television, paving the way for giants such as Mad Men, The Wire, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones. That's all true, by the way. That, uh, that all came from The Sopranos. But earlier today on my morning show, Alan, you were on the morning show earlier this week, as a matter of fact, um, I talked to Victoria Gotti this morning. And what's funny wow. about that is when when you talk to Victoria, oh, yeah, I, I talk to Victoria quite often, as a matter of fact. She's, uh, she's a very interesting person, and she talked quite a bit about everybody thinks we had this glamorous, you know, millionaire's uh, childhood uh, kind of thing. She, that's not true at all. There were periods of abject poverty in the family, and then, you know, once her father did, let's say, get the big job, I guess that's the best way to put it, isn't it? When you're talking to a descendant of John Gotti, if you're going to say, when he got the big job, uh, then unfortunately, very shortly after that, and she still really stings from it. Her, her younger brother was killed, got hit by a car on his bicycle, and uh, it was quite the interesting conversation I had with her. She, she's a pretty fascinating person, really decent person. She's really nice. At first, when you talk to her, she's kind of reluctant to you know, come forward, because I think she gets really tired of, so what's it like having your dad murder people? <laughs> you know, it's probably not the way you want to start an interview with someone's daughter. You know what I mean? No. No. So she's she's very gracious, and we, we always have really, really good conversations. And now I get to talk to Alan Seppenwall again about Soprano Sessions. Uh, there is no bigger fan, and, and my son, Andy, and, our, and my daughter, Alex, is here, and they will tell you, there never was a bigger fan of The Sopranos than me. I absolutely loved that show. To this day, I watch episodes that are now 20 years old. It's amazing. Yeah, it was a problem for a while. No, it really is. <laughs> I, I got to rewatch the whole show to write this book, and it held up shockingly well. I was worried about that at first because it's been so long, and there have been all these shows like Breaking Bad and Mad Men since then that have copied it in one way or uh-huh. another, but it's, it's spectacular. I, I, we talked about this early in the week, but this is a different audience for the afternoon show. So I asked Alan about Nancy Marchand. I, she was what locked it in for me in the, that first season. Look, I, I, you know, James Gandolfini's phenomenal. There are so many people on that show, just so great. But that really tough Italian, you know, the Roman Catholic mother, that tough, tough uh, Roman Catholic mother really drew me in because – the things that she said about people on that show, I really missed her. And then she did part of, what did she do, just part of the second second season, Alan? She's in the second season, but she was already starting to get quite ill. And they'd also written the yeah. character into a corner, so she's not in it a lot, but she's in it. 
God, it was so. Did you enjoy her performance as much as I did that first year? Oh, she's one of my favorites, and I think the first season is yep. still probably the best and purest distillation of the show just because it's like a wise guy whose mother is trying to kill him, and it was based on the relationship <laughs> that the show's creator, David Chase, had with his own mom. You know, it's with like his own when mother, Nancy yeah. Marchand came in to audition for the show, she says to Chase, like, uh, just so we're clear, th- this person I'm going to be playing, she is deceased, I'm assuming, right? <laughs> I like that. I, I to tell you the truth, we and, and we had talked about this earlier, but I, what locked me in forever was when Tony comes in, and starts talking about uh, talking to his mother about uh, about Hesh. And he goes, "Hey, Madge, you hear what uh, what's going on with Hesh?" She goes, "Nah, what's he doing?" He goes, "Well, he's uh, he bought a horse ranch and he lives on a horse ranch now. What do you think of that?" And she goes. Uh, who ever heard of a Jew on a horse? <laughs> it was one of the great lines of all time. Because she's got, like, disgusted even thinking about it, which made me laugh like that. And, I, you know, I pointed out to you that I grew up around a lot of Italians and Irish and black people and Jews and all the rest of it. So I could see one of the people from the Catholic neighborhood talking about the uh, the Jewish neighborhood people. Ah, they don't have horses. What are you talking about? It just locked it in. It was it was so real, I think, Alan. That, that was why I loved it so much. You know who she sounds like, uh, Tom? Her accent sounds like Edith Bunker, but she oh, yeah. says what Archie Bunker would say. Hmm. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Very good. That's a good observation. So, Alan, that first season, what, what locked you in uh, watching the thing? Was there something specific? Was it, was it James Gandolfini's acting? Was it Nancy Marchand? Because I know you loved her. Um, but I was locked in after the first episode. I was like, okay, as long as this is on TV, I'm going to watch it. It was great. No, I was very into it to begin with because I was writing for Tony Soprano's hometown paper at the right. time, the Star Ledger. Right. So this was a big deal for us. And so from the start, I was excited. But it's really around when you get to that fifth episode, the one where Tony takes Meadow on the college tour in New England oh, and he yeah. runs into the informant and he winds up strangling him. That's where I said, <laughs> oh, they're, they're not messing around. This is... This is something that TV has not done before, and that's when I knew that this was going to be something historical in addition to being, you know, great for local interest. And it was so good. You, and you point out so well that we would have never had The Wire without The Sopranos. It would have never happened. And I love that show, too. I mean, it, I didn't like it as much as The Sopranos because The Wire didn't have a great sense of humor <laughs> like The Sopranos mm. did, but I loved the show. But the sense of humor between all the characters, you know, whether it's Big Pussy or it's Paulie or whom, when, when, when they go into the, I assume it's supposed to be a Starbucks. Uh, he refers to it by a different name, though. It starts with, with, but and ends with a a word that rhymes with, buck. <laughs> but, <laughs> When, when he takes that coffee pot off the shelf and steals it because he's going to pay Starbucks back for stealing Italian culture, it was a great moment. He's all pissed off at Starbucks for stealing their their coffee ideas from Italy. <laughs> it's, That's, it's, at its funniest, it was funnier than most of the comedies that were on TV at the time. And I, oh yeah, like you can make a great drama without funny moments, but it really helps if you can be funny too. Alan, did they get lucky with the casting? Because when you look at it, and I'm not saying they did, I'm just asking you if they did, because 
and I suppose the show is the show, so therefore it's locked in my brain forever. But everybody in every role was perfect. I mean, just wonderful. And what's, and what's amazing is how a number of them were not necessarily the first choice. Like, Chase went into it. He wanted to do it more as a straightforward comedy, and he wanted Steve Van Zant to play Tony. And it was only when Ooh. Gandolfini came in and just you know blew him away that he realized... Oh wait, we could do this with it, and you know, mm-hmm. other like you know, Frank Vincent almost wound up playing Uncle Junior, uh, and then Chase Loved felt him. that they had too many actors from Goodfellas, so he saved him for later, and he wrote Philly Otardo for him. So there was a bunch of people like that. Uh, um, Annabella Sciorra, who was so great as Gloria Trillo in the third season, she almost played Janice Soprano. There's a lot of that. Oh, oh wow! See, I didn't, I didn't know that. I had no idea that was true. But uh, yeah, it just. So all isn't it interesting when you when you ask questions and then and then Alan answers it by telling me things I never knew happened. Uh, by the way, poor Frank Vincent. Is there anything he was ever in where he didn't get massacred? <laughs> I mean, every role he ever played, he got killed, and then not in a good way. Either. Well, no, I think in, in Casino, doesn't he kill Joe Pesci? Like that's the one time where he got revenge. If I that's remember right. right. That's exactly. I love Frank Vincent because he's he's kind of that neighborhood Italian guy. Yeah, he's in the mob, but he's kind of a, like a neighbor a neighborhood Italian guy. He just is, you know. He's re- like he's one of the actors who, when I had to go back and rewatch the show to write the book, he really stood out to me the second time. I'd always enjoyed him, but like he's doing yep. some really special work there in those last couple of seasons. How, where, who decided on the theme music? Because we use that theme music for this show every mm-hmm. day. And it, it just, I don't know, it just fit that show so well. And maybe once again, I was conditioned to it, the, maybe the second, third, fourth episodes or whatever, when I heard it went, oh, yeah, that's the theme from The Sopranos. Even though it's not, it was released uh, earlier as, as an, as a, uh, under a different title. But it, do we get conditioned to it, Alan? So I would say after a few episodes, oh, my God, they got so lucky. That music's perfect. But maybe they made it perfect in my head, you know? Yeah, David Chase, he picked all the music. Like, that was, he always said that was his favorite thing to do. He had, when he was a teenager, he had a rock band and felt like he, you know, his dream was really to be a rock star and it never worked out. So he loved to mm-hmm. find these songs. You know, he had Bruce Springsteen's lead guitarist working next to him, and he almost never let Steve suggest a song on the show because, you know, he just liked <laughs> doing that so much. And I love him, too, by the way. He's a great guy. Steve Van Zandt is a really, really good guy. Matter of fact, everybody, he really is. Michael Imperioli, all his people, I've talked to him over the years from 1999 till this year, you know, 20 years now. Every person from that show is does such a great interview. They're really into it. They love it. And now I understand that James Gandolfini's own son is going to play. Is he going to play Tony at a younger age? Is that how it's going to be? I think the way it works is they're doing this movie called The Many Saints of Newark. It's going to start off, at mm-hmm. least, in 1967 and focus on Christopher's father, Dickie. Uh, Tony, at that time, was a little kid. We've seen that. Michael Gandolfini's 19 and looks a little bit older than that. So I have to assume that the movie, at some point, is going to jump ahead in time and you'll get to see young Tony making his bones in the mob or something like that. But I think it's kind of wonderful that, that Michael will get to you know, step into his dad's footsteps a little bit here. Could you do The Sopranos today, 20 years later now, if it was if we're a brand new series, could you say things like, whoever heard of a Jew on a horse, or when Tony has, has to slam an acidic Jew up against the wall and he refers to him as ZZ Top? I mean, 
I don't know if you could get away with that these days. I don't know, just because it's it's hard to like sort of pluck Sopranos out of history and imagine what right. TV would look like now without it, because so much, as we as you said, only exists because of the success of this one show. But I mean, if you talk about anyone else's culture in a disparaging manner, people get really upset now, even though there's no reason to get upset. Sure, and it's there's definitely more sensitivity about that, but I also think that the show like didn't try to hide the fact that these were awful and despicable people, and you know, by that circumstance, I think they probably still would have had license to have them say a lot of these things now. I would think so, because they are bad people in the first place, even though at first blush you're watching the show, you go, God, I really like these people. Well, they're all m- murderers. <laughs> you, it, you find it out very really quickly. It was really hilarious. It was hilarious watching up close the people who would sort of develop Stockholm Syndrome with the Sopranos characters. Yeah. I was at the, the after party for one of the premieres once, and it's the one that ends with Christopher and Polly. They beat the waiter to death because he complains about the tip. And I'm standing in line with this woman, and she, and she asked me, well, what would you think of the premiere? And I turned it back on her, and I said, well, what did you think? She said she liked it a lot, but she didn't like something that Christopher did because, quote, he's such a nice boy. <laughs> And I said, wait, nice boy, he's a waiter to death. For a hair <laughs> you know, yeah, he was asking for it. He talked back. He's such a nice mm. boy. See, that's the problem. I understand why she said that. Because I like these people, even though they're scumbags, robbers, murderers, everything they could possibly do wrong. Uh, I've been very lucky, too, Alan, because... Steve Sharippa and I have kind of become telephone buddies, and he comes on this show a lot. And he, Sharippa was one of the nicest people I've ever dealt with. He's a great guy. Yes. It's funny you guys he's, say he's, that he's because he's so good. I'm sorry. The one character on the on the show that I never really liked was the guy that never killed anybody, Artie, the restaurateur. I'm like you're kind of a <laughs> pain right. in the ass. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I got taken deep a couple of times. What are you going to do? But uh, I just love it. The book is called The Soprano Sessions, Alan Sepinwall. S-E-P-I-N-W-A-L-L. The book is available everywhere. And if you don't know a lot about The Sopranos, read the book. Even if you do know a lot about it, you'll learn a lot. Terrific subject. Alan, thank you so much for your time for the second time this week. It's great talking to you, sir. My pleasure. Anytime. Thanks, Alan. Little uh, Sopranos music in the background. No, we don't do that. It's fine. Um, he knows a lot about it. Like, like he said, you know, he worked at the Star Ledger, New Jersey Star Ledger, right there in uh, Tony Soprano's hometown. So it was very, very close to him. But Andy, uh, now Alex, you never liked the Sopranos, did you? No, I never saw I it. Actually, so. I was too. And you've never seen it? Yeah, I was too young to have any. Well, that's true. Well, yeah, that's, in, that's true. yeah, part of it. Now, Doug, it sounds like you were a fan, though. Oh yeah, no, I you know I just rewatched it uh, two years ago with Sarah, because I watched it when it first came out, and I, I just loved it. I thought it was great. The characters were interesting, uh, and it was really funny. You know, it's it was just a it just yes. I like shows that are well written, that and and The Sopranos was just fabulous. Probably yeah, my second no second favorite TV show of all time. First would be Deadwood. 
Deadwood's a damn good show. That's yeah, that's pretty tough, man. That's uh, that's a great show. See, I love Justified because of yep. uh, Timothy Oliphant, and I mean those shows. I'm locked in with you there. I just love it. But uh, I know we got to move along here to the next uh, segment. But talking to Victoria Gotti this morning, and then talking to Alan Seppenwall today, and it's so funny because when you get Victoria Gotti, and I've interviewed her tons and tons of times. She's a very pleasant person to talk to. But every time before I interview her, the producer in New York comes on and goes, do not ask her about how many people her father Mm -hmm. murdered. It's like, you don't have to tell me not to ask that. I'll be okay. I'll be okay not asking her how many people her father murdered. Works for me. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. A program that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor? Do you want a guaranteed offer on your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl, who has some exciting news to share. Hey, Tom, we are super excited to announce our guaranteed offer program. Here's how it works. If you qualify, we will guarantee you an offer on your house within 48 hours, which means you could be closing in three weeks. No staging, no cleaning, no decluttering, and of course, no open houses. This is your hassle-free way to sell your home. If you qualify for the program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period. Sounds like a stress-free way to sell your home. It is, Tom. Some homeowners want the convenience to be able to sell their home quickly without going through the stress of showings, open houses, and so many more headaches, especially if they found their dream home and need to sell fast. You do need to qualify for this program, but that's quick and convenient as well. To see if you qualify for the guaranteed offer program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate, go to chrislindahl.com right now or call 763-401-SOLD. Once again, that's chrislindahl.com, Chris with a K. If you're tired of feeling frustrated because your clothes don't fit like they used to, then Nutramost is for you. Thanks to the Sheehy brothers and staff at Nutramost in Plymouth, I am down 92.5 pounds. The Nutramost program is amazing. I lost over 40 pounds during each of my first two 40-day rounds. You can have great success just like me because Nutramost is customized for each individual person, and the staff at Nutramost will be there for you every step of the way. Start your weight loss journey today and let Nutramost help change your life. Give yourself this wonderful gift or give this program as a present. Nutramost guarantees that you lose 20 pounds or more. Nutramost helped me change my life and they can help you too. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. We're back in the saddle again. I just thought I did the music myself. That was great. Beautiful. Just beautiful. Hey, Tom. Just beautiful. Our our guest star for the uh, podcast for the first installment of the Car Selling Secrets is here, Mr. Jason Leckler, better known as J-Lo. J-Lo. So now, now don't start talking about all car stuff. We got to save that for the actual no. car podcast. Yep. But he oh, dro- we're having ter- right. you don't know this because you're in Florida, but we're just having another terrible storm, and he's running our Nissan store up in Coon Rapids, and it's like eh, maybe better leave a little early to get down. Yeah, it took me 45 minutes to get here. And yeah, you it takes were me 20. at Applebee's on the other side yep, of yep, yep, 394. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, a story I want to get to briefly because I'm very proud of uh, my friend. And you guys all know him as well, Andy and Alex. You've worked with Rocco Mediate on this very podcast. Yeah. Rocco Mediate described himself as an habitual alcoholic during a recent interview with Golf Channel, mm. revealing he often drank during competitive rounds on both the PGA Tour and the PGA Tour Champions. 
Mediate said he used alcohol in part to cope with back injuries that plagued him throughout his career. Absolutely, I have played while drinking, Mediate told Golf Channel's Vince Cellini. On the last episode, or excuse me, the latest episode of uh, PGA Tour Champions Learning Center, because it was just normal for me. It was just a daily ritual, let's say. You can put it in a lot of places, a lot of places. Was it every time? No, but most of the time when the pain came in, it was not going to happen. Mediate uh, says he kicked the habit in October 2017 with the help of his wife following a poor season on the uh, golf course. I couldn't tell you since last October, years before that, a day I went without having a drink, Mediate said. I knew at the time that eventually he was going to get me. Mediate won six times on the PGA Tour, most recently at the 2010 Fries.com Open. The 56-year-old has added three more titles uh, on the PGA to, uh, Tour Champions. Of course, he's probably best known for losing the playoff to Tiger Woods at the 2008 U.S. Open. When asked about Woods, who has suffered from a, a bad back in recent years, was arrested on DUI on Memorial Day. 2017 for a combination of prescription medications, Mediate related. When that happened, I went, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah, I just didn't get caught, Mediate said. But when it comes to that type of pain, you'll basically do whatever it takes to be able to go, oh, that feels better. I'm very proud of my friend Rocco Mediate for coming uh, very public about this. Uh, He's a man. He's a good man. Uh, I, I... Always thought the world of, of Rocco. I mean, he's he, nuts. He's Don't get me wrong. He's absolutely nuts. I remember the first he time I nuts. met him, he was coming into the old studio, and L.A. Nick goes, yeah, yes. Rocco's going to be here. And he shaves his legs, and he's, he's for a guy, he's got great legs. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, he kept talking about his legs. That's an L.A. Nick thing to say. And then he came in in shorts. And, of course, if you've never met him, you would be kind of startled to notice that he also paints his toenails different colors. But I thought, yes, my, I thought to myself, he actually does have pretty good legs. <laughs> mm. Well, he does, he does have nice, smooth legs. There's yeah. no doubt about it. But <laughs> nice and smooth. And I don't know. Nice and smooth. Um, not many male Look, Trump supporters paint their toenails. He's he might true. be no, the only one. Might be one of yeah. Well, he's known Donald Trump forever and ever and ever. So that, you know, if he's a supporter, it's because he's known Donald Trump for a long, yeah. long oh, I'm time. Sure, because of the golf connection. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's exactly right. But I, I'm very proud of him for coming. Who knows how many people this will help? Well, if Rocco can be honest about it, then I can be honest about it. I, I think it's just it, it serves people very, very well when well-known people. Again, if you've never seen the 2008 U.S. Open, go back and watch it. It is one of the it is the most thrilling golf tournament you will ever see. And, I mean, and it's, it's unbelievable. If I'm Am I correct in that in the U.S. Open, if it's a tie, it's an 18-hole playoff? It's not sudden death? Yes. So, yeah. yeah, that's right. It's so that, terrific. I, I do remember that. I, I tell you flat out, I'm, I'm so proud of him today for stepping up saying, yes, I'm an alcoholic, and I, I needed to stop drinking. I had pain. Not an excuse. But he came right out and said that he's an habitual alcoholic. Rocco, you're a good man for helping all his people out and... and you know, he was on this show for about six months. And, and, Isn't that about and the time continue. he stopped doing the podcast, now that I think about it? Yes, that's exactly Weird. right. So now you understand why. You drove him right. to sobriety, basically. <laughs> yes, that's it. Supposed to no, I wasn't about to, to bring it up. Yeah, that was cool. I knew that Rocco had stopped drinking, and I knew that, uh, you know, he's going to be leaving the podcast. But I'm not going to get on the podcast and go, yeah, Rocco's a drunk, so he's leaving. Oh. You know, it's not what I'm doing. Uh, I just am very, very, and I hope he, we can get him back on again as a guest. Uh, you know, he's anytime somebody steps up and says, "Hey, I effed up, and I don't want you to do the same thing that I did." I really admire that in, in a human being. Wouldn't you agree? 
Just yep. great. It is great. You remember the time that he called Alex Laveson? Uh Actually, they called in. They were playing in a tournament together, the guitar player for yes. Rush. Yep, yep. That's exactly right. Oh, there's a lot of that going on with him. He and he plays golf with all kinds of different people, and he, you know, he hangs out with Steven Tyler from Aerosmith, and it, it just, it's just one of those lives, man. He, he uh, a great deal of talent. Nice, nice Italian boy from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and uh, we wish you, you all the best, Rocco, and thanks for being brave and stepping forward and saying, hey, you know, it didn't work for me, and if it's not working for you, you can do it. I did it. Anybody can do it. So that's very cool again. Well, Rocco, we, what the hell? We went from total honesty to, uh, have you ever heard of Dan Mallory, the woman in the window? No. Oh, yes. What happened to that uh, guy? He has apparently sold a bunch of books. Uh, one of them, The Woman in the Window. Who is this person? <clears throat> yep. He's an author. Yep. And uh, he is apparently a compulsive liar. Most recently, well, just because he said that everybody in his family's dead, but yeah, a Republican that, or a Democrat. <laughs> oh God! Who knows? Here we go. If he told us, he'd probably be lying. He most recently said that he had brain cancer, which he did yes. not. Mm, nope. Not a nice thing to lie about. Uh, he said his mom died of cancer. She's still alive. Mm-hmm. His brother killed still himself. Alive. He's still alive. And he has a Ph.D. from Oxford, which he does not. Okay. He never even attended Oxford, much less Ph.D. So, uh, yeah, yeah, this guy's a bit of a psychopath, it seems. That he's just completely crazy. You, your mother, and your sister, all three, accuse me of embellishing things. Embellishing things is not quite the same as, yes, everyone in my family's dead, and none of them are. That's a bit different. Oh, my. I read that. It's like, oh, God, Dan, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yes, my mother's dead. No, she's not. The problem that I have with that kind of thing is it's so hard to prove that he's lying. Why would he do it? Well, it's easy to prove that someone's mother isn't dead, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's the exactly brain cancer thing. Why would you do that? It, 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 the only way to really catch him in the lie would be to see his medical records, which you can't do. But yeah, yeah, yeah. saying his mom and brother both were dead when they weren't dead—that is pretty easy to uh, figure out. Yeah, I mean it's so easy to prove that they're not. Why would you lob lob that out there? It doesn't make any sense to me. I I have a somewhat related question uh, because I haven't followed up on the story, but I know on the morning show was a week ago, Monday or Tuesday, there was that woman that was missing on the way to the Mayo Clinic. And everybody's looking yeah. all over for her, and they find. Yeah, and she great. turns up in Rockford, Illinois. Okay, what, I, they the, found what her. Is the, oh okay. yeah, like did years later. That. What is the? Is there a bet? Do you know any what more happened? about the story? Yeah, I do not. I just. Uh, I literally took the position. It's none of my business. Okay. What happened was her uncle called into the KQ Morning Show and said, I don't know who to turn to other than the KQRS Morning Show. You guys are the only ones I could think of calling. My niece is missing. She uh, she lives in Winona. Has a job at the Mayo Clinic. She left uh, this morning for uh, for work at the Mayo Clinic. She never arrived. We can't find her. We're trying to track her down. She just she's gone. Then the next day, um, I get a call back from him, and he points out that they did find her. That she was in Rockford, oh. Illinois. Uh, it wasn't my it wasn't my job. Really, I, I would have been very yeah. uncomfortable going. Yeah. Well, yeah. what yeah, happened? That's right. I don't know if we'll ever find out what happened. Maybe J Lo knows because he's from Winona, aren't you? 
close. Wabasha. Okay, well, it's a W city. <laughs> it's potato. Yes, you're potato. from Washington State, aren't you? I know. Wabasha and Winona are what, 20 miles but apart? They're, they're both on the river. It's right. Washington State. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That are. was going to be her original name, actually, Wabasha Rider, but they thought that Winona Rider would be better. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. That's fair. Yeah, Winona Rider got her name from the she town is, of Winona. Yeah, that's that's right. exactly right. 100%. What's, what's her real last name? No idea. Schwartz? <laughs> I think it's Lefkowitz. I think it's Are not you kidding? Sure. Really? Beautiful. No, somebody look at Winona Ryder's real last name. I think it's like Lefkowitz. There's Jewish like people that. in Winona, Minnesota? Well, she's absolutely. Three. She's a Horowitz. 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 Really? Okay, not Lefkowitz, but Horowitz. But her first name is actually Winona. Yeah. Yep, it that is. That is not a pseudonym. Know. It's spelled with a Y, though, isn't it? Uh, no. Oh, it's not? No, no Ryder's spelled with a Y. Oh, no, okay. Ryder's spelled with a Y. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I will tell you this. If I had a daughter, I would say, honey, change your name. I don't want my daughter no- being known as Horowitz. You know Horowitz. what I mean? It's just well, an uncomfortable name. your last name. No. I don't care. Get rid of it anyway. Well, you didn't have any mm. trouble getting rid of my last name, so you know what I'm saying. I actually did. It was a very difficult decision for me. I if know. you don't I re- remember correctly. I do remember correctly. how hard that... I do remember it. You had a ha- very hard time with that. I understand that completely. But, uh, and the other thing about that is so funny, and a guy pointed it out to me, an older gentleman came to me and said, isn't your wife's name Brant? I said, yeah, Catherine Brant. And he goes, you do know that one is a, kind of like a, an Eastern European and the other one is a Western European. It's the exact same name. Bernard and Brandt is the exact same name, only it's just spelled and pronounced differently. I never knew that. I didn't know that. Hmm. Yeah, apparently it's all the same name. Brand, Brandt, Barnard, all that stuff. So what the hell? It all works out in the end. But uh, J-Lo, you have every chance in the world to get away from Doug, and you just don't <laughs> stop doing it. You show up anyway. What's the matter with you? I am a glutton for punishment, that is for sure. A total glutton for punishment. No, can, you know what it really is? It's because when it snows a lot, the general managers mm-hmm. are expected to lead the lot clearing charge, which is just oh. we call it the corporate fitness program. So J-Lo's like, hey, I'm doing a show with Tom Bernard, so I'm going to be gone for a few hours. You guys just take over for me. That's exactly yeah. right. I know it is. Start plowing. Start plowing. That's all I have to say to you. Yeah, it's miserable. Well, that's how it should be. It is how it should be. There's no question about that. Kind of a preview to the, to, and the name of the show again is, Doug? Car Selling Secrets. Car selling, but it's car buying secrets, secrets about cars. Yeah. My position on this, J-Lo, is, uh, and I already talked to Doug about this, I love cars. I don't know anything about cars. So one of the reasons I'm, I'm happy to be co-hosting that hour, which begins for the first time in about 25 minutes, um, I am going to learn right along with the listeners what car buying, car selling, what cars are all about, because I do not have that knowledge. So to be... I'm happy to do it because I'll learn a lot just talking about it, you know. Um, the one thing that Doug will tell you is, what does Tom like about cars? Well, they have to be at least 500 horsepower. <laughs> so I've learned that about him. He actually is a car junkie. He was, yeah. I think, the first Tesla owner in the, in uh, Minnesota. I was, yeah. Back when yeah. all they made was a hot rod. Yeah, the Roadster. I had uh, I had the Tesla Roadster, and I'll never forget the first time I tried to accelerate in that uh, Roadster, and I thought I was going to die because it accelerated so quickly. <laughs> Holy yeah. God, that car was fast. 
But back then, here's a little bit of information that might help people. Back then, because that was, what, 10 years ago at yeah, least? Maybe more? I, yeah, I think it might have been like 12 or 13 even. I think it was 12 or 13. I think you're absolutely right. But it did a thing called bricking. And what that means is, since it's an electric car, it's driven by an electric engine. Therefore, there's no, there's no real shifting in it. It does it itself and whatever. But uh, what would happen is if you were driving down the freeway, let's say you're today, it's snowing, and you're on 35W headed south home. And all of a sudden, your battery, because you didn't pay close attention, your battery goes dead. You cannot move the car. And, I mean, you can't push it to the side of the road. You couldn't do anything. There's no neutral, nothing like that. So I said, I can't have a car that if it breaks down the freeway, I'm going to have to get a new battery flown in and inserted. And that's the only reason I ever got rid of it. Now, Teslas don't do that anymore, do they, J-Lo? I don't think they do. I, I would be the wrong guy to ask on a I, I don't think that they do that. But we'll save it for the automotive section <laughs> of the podcast. All right. Otherwise, well, we'll we're going to burn through meantime. all the material in 15 minutes. No, no, no. It's just it's just the fact that I, I do love cars, um, but I, I'm not a student. I don't know anything about Like, let me put it this way. You can raise the hood all day, and I look in there and go, I have no idea what any of this stuff is. I have no clue about any of that stuff. So I'm going to learn a lot doing the show. Cool. We have a lot in common, though, when it comes to that. So, because I don't know, you're just good either. at your job. So I, I have no clue. Seriously, I have no idea what what we're even talking about. But uh, I don't know. I've, I've been very fortunate in life. I've driven some really great cars. I love the uh, 2013 Mustang that I have now. It's a 5.0, and I have a 2014 Jaguar. And I can't remember. The, I, see, I don't even remember like the the which Jaguar it is. Yeah, it's that's one of those. A I know XJ long body uh, with a turbocharged V8 in it. I, I remember when oh, we God. bought that car. One of our buyers bought it uh, from a state sale in Florida, I think. And I just assumed it was a regular XJ because that's the way it was priced. And then I saw the car. And I'm right. Like, Holy crap! This thing's a rocket. That Andy put, found that out, as a matter of fact, we're on vacation, and Andy gets, hey, can I use your car, Dad? And Melissa and Andy hop in the old yeah. Jaguar. He comes back and he goes, my God, that car is fast. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's a very comfortable car. Uh, you know what? I'll stop. I'll stop. We'll talk about it during the We'll take a break. Be right back, Tom Bernardio. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Tom Bernard here to tell you, Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night, and you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers just waiting to be driven home. 
and Priority is also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers. Come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call our fleet reps right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. We're back in the saddle again. I'm just, I'm surprised. That's great, music great myself. singing. Yeah, I, uh, I, I cannot sing as high as Steven Tyler does, so me doing Aerosmith is not a good plan. No. I saw him at an airport once. He's very mm. small. Oh, yes. He's, a, he's tiny, he's I heard. He sounds tiny. Itty bitty. I was like, and if I say someone's small, that means they're right. real small. <laughs> no, nah, they, yeah, that's, yeah, he is tiny. There's I no mean, doubt about he that. He has but. to weigh maybe 100 pounds. Oh, maybe. he's going to weigh more than no, that. No, he's tiny. <laughs> like I he saw, was skinny I saw and short, it. and as he's aged, he's gotten thinner, too. Tom, what's the name of the guy that owns Cambria? Um, I'm slipping. Oh, Marty Davis. Marty Davis. He throws a yeah. big party out on Lake Minnetonka every year and brings bands in. Right. A few years ago, I went out there with Charlie, and he know each other. In fact, Charlie Swenson sells him a fair number of Priuses every year that they use for sure. the company. And and uh, we were out there, and Steven Tyler was playing, and I he, I don't remember him being that small. No, I mean he wasn't. He a seemed large like man, he was but... hammered and kind of didn't know where <laughs> he was. But anyway. You know what's kind of sad about that story as they stretch it out? Uh, Rick Bourne. I don't know if you guys know Rick or not, but Rick Bourne uh, used to have a huge 4th of July party every year on Lake Minnetonka. And he invited us out uh, a couple of times. And uh, Rick Bourne was very good friends with Glenn Fry of the Eagles. Very, very good friends. Yep. They spent a lot of time together and enjoyed themselves. So then Glenn, when Glenn died a while back, I made the statement. I said... You know, I heard from everybody, you know, Rick Bourne always talked about what a great guy he was. And I just, I really regret the fact that, that I never met Glenn Fry and never spent any time with him or talked to him or anything like that. And I just, after the show, I get ah, a picture sent to me and with the caption, what the hell are you talking about? It's a picture of me and Glenn Fry <laughs> with our arms around each other. It's like, oh, mm. no. I think we might have this hit might the have old been wine the, a little hard. The imbibing days? You were doing... <laughs> it might have been in the imbibing days. Wine I'm testing. I they're for... hugging Glenn Fry. I've never met the guy, but... Oh, oh God, it was so embarrassing. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. How do you meet Glenn Fry and don't <laughs> remember? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I did hear about Glenn Fry later on that was so cool that friends of mine would go out, including Rick, I'm sure, would go out and stay with Glenn Fry at his house. And he said, it's really hard to be Glenn Fry's friend when you just get up in the morning, you're staying in his house, you get up in the morning, have a little breakfast, and he wanders down to the, uh, to the mailbox to pick up his daily mail, and he pulls out about a foot-thick uh, parcel of envelopes, and every one of them's a check. <laughs> it's like, damn. Yeah. He said... The money that would roll in from, from all the Eagles' huge hits and all the rest of it, he said it was unbelievable, the amount of money. Speak, I suppose. Speaking of rock stars and money, I, I know you you watched the Super Bowl and everybody was kind of underwhelmed by the halftime show. I, I sent you a mm -hmm. text about that. I don't know if you saw it or not. Uh, it was an Onion article. But 
Maroon, right. Maroon did, 5. I did see it. Thank you. Maroon 5 donated their entire fee to uh, children's charities, half a million dollars. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. Well, the problem is there is no fee for playing the Super Bowl. So that's a fake story? You do is not it? get paid to do the halftime show. That's oh, I know no. that's true. Really? It is true. Let's see. No, yeah. Not, so No, so that doesn't mean being... that they didn't do it. Okay. It doesn't mean they didn't do it, but they, they did not get a fee for appearing, which you could tell by the, the fervor with which they performed. It's like, Jesus, could you pick it up a little bit? Most boring show I've ever... And that guy can sing. There's no question. Adam yeah. Levine is oh, a he's good a great singer. singer. Not at the halftime show he wasn't. My God, that was terrible. And then I, I wanted to run this by you, too. I'm glad you brought that up because... Uh, Andy, how much time do we have left in this segment? I forgot to start my clock. Uh, 11 minutes. Are we at... Uh, 11 minutes. Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure. I thought that was the case, but I, I, I wanted to make sure. But, um, no, damn it, I lost topic. What, what were we talking about? We were talking about, about Adam Levine, halftime show, the oh, Super yeah. Bowl. So, so Doug, J-Lo, everybody else on the show, what did you think about the fact that Travis Scott dropped the F-bomb in front of uh, an NFL audience, including little children, at the Super Bowl? It's time to grow How up. How do you... Really? It is, isn't it? Isn't it time to grow up? Yeah, kids. Because I can't imagine in the pre-production meeting he told them he was going to yeah. do that, and everybody was good with it. Yeah. Right? Doesn't yeah. he have children? What's his name? Travis uh, Scott. Travis Scott. Yeah, he's got a kid with one of the Kardashians, doesn't he? He. Uh, wow, yeah. He's I, I dropped the, goes, oh, boy. That was me. Oh, I dropped boy. the F-bomb then, Yes, too. he does. <laughs> Never mind. I got you, Travis. He has a ch- child with Kylie Jenner. There okay, you go. the youngest one of all. Well, then it makes sense. <laughs> then it makes sense. But seriously, how did the NFL ever not even react to that? Didn't even, no, didn't even apologize, nothing. It was disgusting. Little children at the Super Bowl had to hear this guy not once, not twice, but three times drop the F-bomb. Well, I don't what think are you doing? he's exactly a classy individual, so they probably expected him to do something like that. But why would you invite him then? Yeah, uh, remember when the NFL used question. to be a nice, wholesome sport? Seriously. Remember it was, whoa, football. It's like a, a great American sport. You know, baseball and football. And I, I was disgusted by that. And then... Of course, Big Boy comes out, weighing about 700, and he's got his fur coat on, which if anybody else had done it, they would have been bitching up a yeah. storm uh, because he's wearing a fur coat. Not a word. I don't know. There's a, a lot word of PETA, PETA people at the uh, Super Bowl, though. I think that's probably yeah, not but they would have been told. Yeah, that's true. They would have been told crowd. about it, and they would have reacted to it. The vegan crowd. I suppose. I don't. I, I, it just saddened me that this is where we're headed. This this is America now, where you just nobody has any rights. You don't respect anyone or anything. Really, that's where we're headed, huh? I hope not. Try to stay positive. Honest to God, it's just the whole thing. Oh, speaking of that, by the way, Doug, the the, the leader of your party, Nancy Pelosi, she oh, she kind of flattened out old. Uh, <laughs> Ocasio Cortez today is that her name? Ocasio Cortez. OCA. That's I what it, I call her. I can't. I yeah, can OCA. Or, yep. What did she do? AO, AOC. That's AOC. Right. It's AOC. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Uh, she was talking about the green life, and we want all emissions to be uh, gone by twenty twenty two. I think it was. I, I or, no, twenty 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 eight or something. 
I think it was a 10-year period. So maybe we'll just say it's 2029. It all has to be gone, and everybody's going to get free health care, and everybody's going to get guaranteed federal wages. And And Nancy Pelosi said, yeah, I I saw that whole thing, and I looked at it, and, uh, you know, good luck to her and her green whatever it is. (laughs) (laughs) It was phenomenal. I mean... Pelosi had no interest in even talking about it. Yeah, yeah the green whatever it is. <laughs> well, she has the mind like of a that. child. You she can't does. take her she's seriously because she, yeah, she just doesn't no. even know she's what she's saying. I bought that book that the, the Yale professor was on a couple weeks ago. I was talking about how to strengthen the parties and fix politics in America. I, it, I, oh, yeah. I'm struggling to read it because he's really smart and I have to slow down and go, okay, what are you really saying? <laughs> yeah. But he, yeah. you know, he talks about. The way the current things are set up, it allows the fringe on both the left and the right side to hi, uh, to hijack the party, and I think that's exactly yes. what's going on. I think you're absolutely right. It is a hijacking of the parties, and some of these people are complete morons. And I, I know that sounds very negative, but I'm sorry, that, that AOC, she's an idiot. She has no idea what the hell she's talking about. And they keep praising her in the press, uh, like when, uh, when uh, God, who was it? That made it, oh, it was Joe Lieberman. Joe Lieberman yeah. made the comment that I don't think any of this stuff is is doable. I don't think it's workable. The green, the green, what is it, the green? What the green dream? Green the green dream. dream. That's what it is. Yeah, I think he said I just don't think any stuff is going to work. And they said, oh God, he she put Lieberman in his place. She just slammed him and put him right in his place. You know what she did? And they thought this was wonderful. She sent him a text that said, new party, who dis? Oh, God. Yeah. It's where we're headed. Who dis? I think she dis? might actually so have a, a learning this, disability. The retake of <laughs> Cash might. Me Outside, how about that? Yeah, for real. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's the new version of Cash Me Outside, how about that? Well, there is hope. I don't know if you, the story's made it down to Florida, but. Amy Klobuchar is having a big rally on Sunday, and every you know the only reason she could possibly be having a rally on Boom Island in February is to announce her candidacy. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. Well, she's got a problem. She's got a problem already. Somebody in her own party attacked her and said that the people that work for her cannot stand her. They don't like working for her at all. I don't know Amy Klobuchar, so I'm not making any judgment. I don't know her. You know her, and I don't. I, well, I don't know but her well, already but, going I, but I do her. know her, and I... And I, my experience has been exactly the opposite, and that her staff is okay. terrific. I mean, I'd, when we were having problems in the height of the recession, and she went to bat for us, I mean, you, we'd call her, that, yes. and they'd zip us right back. They were super friendly. They're really smart people. I, That's I, good. I, and maybe I'm just seeing a snapshot on a good day, but that wasn't my impression that they were uh, pissed. And this was, in fairness, nine years ago. But Yeah. Well, I, I will tell you this. I would, uh, like back in the, the the olden days, I would have reached out and said, come on the show, because I would like to, you know, just say that the people that, everybody I know, Gene Gerard knows her, thinks the world of her, you and Paul Walzer know her, and even though I don't like either one of you guys, <laughs> you like her, so, you know, that's a whole different deal. But no, I'd invite her on, but there's no way she'd come on. I, I don't know what the hell I did to we'll, these political parties. We'll see parties. what we can do. Maybe I can get Paul it's to insane. pull some strings. Now, in- interestingly enough, go. Elizabeth Warren's going to announce on Saturday. I think she's just oh, going to get steamrolled. I don't know if you found oh, this last thing, ever. but her uh, bar, uh, Texas bar um, yeah. entrance card, yeah. she put herself down as Native American. I, I don't think she can get American Indian. Yeah, she right. put American, American Indian, Indian on yeah. yeah. 
And by the way, there wasn't enough room for her writing, so she just stretched the Indian part over the next phrase. <laughs> it's like, what? That's the best you can do. I don't understand why people aren't more pissed off at her. You talk about cultural appropriation. You know, There's it, no I, I, more perfect I, example. It's possible that what she's saying is true. I mean, it does have the feel that if you grow up as a kid and your parents tell you and your grandparents tell you that you're part Cherokee and... You know, why would you not believe him? I, I don't. So I, I'll give her a little benefit of the doubt. I don't think she handled yeah, it very me. well. And I don't think that, you know, it's just in the uh, era of social injustice, I don't think she has a chance. That's that's she like has no Romney say, uh, making the 47% comment. As soon as he did that, Obama just ran over him. He didn't have a chance. But he was right. Yeah. I mean, he was telling the truth. He was. He just shouldn't have said it out. He should have used his thinking voice. Yeah, but why can't you tell the truth anymore? I don't if know. it's the truth, it's the truth. No, no, I, I don't understand that either. That's why I couldn't be a politician because I could not stand there with everybody else in my party. Go here, say this and do this. Well, that's BS. Yeah, I know it is, but say it and do it anyway. Yeah. I could not do it. No way. I like lying on the radio. It's much different. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, you know, we go down that road. I don't know. We'll we'll see. They they have what now? Like either already listed as running or going to run. Aren't there like 32 Democrats that oh, are, is it that are going many? to run for president? I, I, I know it's going it to be a now, huge yeah. field. It's going to be a huge field. You're absolutely right But the Republicans that, so. started out that way in, you know, 15 and yeah. 16. Yeah. I mean, when they yeah, first they had the first debates, it's like, I need stereo vision to see all these people. But they, I would say this again. I would tell you, 2016 was the, the trough of my political observations your candidates were donald trump and hillary clinton i know that's I, who you got to run for so president i've said that either party could have run bill the cat and won in a landslide <laughs> it's true god what a horrible choice that is I, i'm not a fan of either one of them i'm not a fan of most politicians to tell you the truth some some i do like uh you know some i think are actually there to serve the people which I admire, but most of them are just opportunists trying to line their own pockets. Which I, I've got to know me. a lot of the Minnesota state politicians, and I, I think that for the most part, their hearts in the right place. That job does not pay very well. It's so. thirty-five no, grand no. a year. You, you're not going to retire being a Minnesota state senator. So I think you know, and and it right. shows in that even though they have different agendas, they generally do work pretty well together. It's not like at the federal level, which is terrible. No, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the inaugural episode of the Doug Sprinthal Show, as he wants to call it. Right? Is that what you want? Is it, is it the Doug Sprinthal Show? Is yeah, that, let's it? call it that. Or Car Selling Secrets, sponsored by Walzer Automotive Group. I feel like Buddy LaRue. <laughs> Give me a crane shot. Exactly. Alex, don't be sending me pictures like this during the show, because I'm laughing. She sent me a picture <laughs> of Sage sitting in his... Oh, it's a video? Yeah, oh, it is a video. Watch You're right. the whole thing. It's amazing. It's Sage just nodding off in his baby seat. He's in his high chair and he's like. <laughs> he's falling <laughs> like, apart. Just cannot. Which I think is fan and he has, fantastic. And he, he's holding a thing of painter's tape. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, Alex, you got to get going, don't you? Because the traffic would be. Uh, yeah, it took me a thousand lifetimes yeah. to get here. So I understand. You know. All right, so we'll talk. We'll see you on Sunday. You sure will. 
Looking forward to it, Doug. We're supposed to see you Sunday, but you're such a pain in the ass. I you're know, not coming. Sorry, you know I've never liked you. Yeah, it's, it's feelings mutual. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> what? Is this on? What? Oh, it is. We'll sorry. be back. Tom Bernard Show.